0: This is Michael Easley in context. Here's a peek at what Michael will be talking about today. My identity isn't gay. My identity isn't ex-gay. My identity isn't straight. But my identity as a as a child of the living God has to be has to be in Jesus Christ alone. For more information, go to michaelincontext.com. And now your host, Dr. Michael Easley.
1: I do not think there is anything more controversial within the Christian community than can a homosexual person be a believer in Christ. What about the gay, lesbian, transgendered community? And of course, we always get into polarity. Those groups that will vilify, that will be hateful, that will say all kinds of unkind things even under the moniker of truth over against those that will simply cave and amalgamate and say there's nothing wrong with your identity you were made a homosexual you're having to be true to yourself and and that's how god has made you or god's cruel i've offered counter this argument with if my identity is driven on my sexual inclination then i michael easily am a womanizer And it should be my right because I'm made this way to conquest every woman I want who will agree with me in a consensual relationship because, by goodness, I was made a womanizer. Jesus Christ had something to say about those who look upon a woman with adultery in their heart. And that section in Matthew, Christ doesn't say it's not as big a sin to lust in your heart as it is to act out the sin. In fact, he upbraided the scribes and Pharisees and said, you've heard it said about adultery. I tell you, if you look at her, you've committed adultery in your heart. That being the case, if our thought life is evaluated by Christ as being sinful, then every one of us that has any type of penchant toward money, sex, and power, the three umbrellas of sin, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, the boastful pride of life, then we have a real problem. What's happened in the culture is that a few groups have gotten together, the gay, lesbian, transgendered group, bisexual group, and they have said, this is our identity. This is how we are made. And the culture has caved. And again, we don't let the world teach us theology. Now, there's no better way to talk about this than to integrate in context the biblical theology along with a person who has lived as a full-fledged gay in a lifestyle that was a gay world. And not only has Christopher Yuan come out, he's willing to talk about it very candidly. It's great to have you in the studio today, Christopher. It's great to be here. It's to see you in person, Dr. Easily. Likewise. Yeah. It's great. And congratulations on putting your doctorate, <laughs> Dr. Yuan. on. That's Thank a, you very much. That's a long road. yeah. Yes. Now, Christopher, you've got a long story mm-hmm. and a fascinating story, but I want to fast-track our listeners a little bit. So give us a history of of your identity, your struggles, Mm -hmm. and uh, how you came to follow God and a little background so our listeners who may not know who you are will learn
0: about you. You know, uh, Dr. He's I was not raised in a Christian home, but I experienced same-sex attractions from a young age. Uh, It was around nine years old that I first realized that I had these feelings. I was exposed to pornography at a young age But I kept those feelings hidden through high school, college, even the Marine Corps Reserves. I finally came out of the closet. In my early 20s, I moved to Louisville, Kentucky. I was pursuing my doctorate in dentistry. My father's a dentist Mm -hmm. as well. Came out of the closet then. I broke the news to my parents. And I told my mom, I I went home after my first year at University of Louisville School of Dentistry. And I told them, I am gay. Well, you know, my parents weren't Christian, but it it devastated her. She She gave me an ultimatum, and she said, you must either choose the family or choose that. She couldn't even say it. Well, for me, you know, this wasn't something that I could turn on and off like a light switch. I thought, you know, if you can't accept me, I have no other choice but to leave. Mm. So I left home. Your dad have any comment at this point? You know, he, uh, at this point, my parents' marriage was a wreck you know, I I grew up kind of just remembering them just squabbling over little things. Just this and that always. And my mom wanted a friend and my dad just wanted freedom, you know? (laughs) And and so both weren't meeting each other's expectations. So actually in our high school years, my brother and I were just kind of like, y'all are miserable. Why don't Mm. you just divorce? Just go your own ways and just do your own things. And so at that point, that's kind of, The way that we were working, the 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 four of us, we thought, you know what, just we're just going to do our own things and and we're just going to be happy, because isn't that what it is all about, Doctor Easley? It's it's about being happy. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, at that point, you know, my mom and dad, they weren't really a team; they were individuals. And so my mom was kind of... And my dad was like... He, I think he was kind of like already written everything off. He's like, whatever, you know. If he wants to do his own thing, what can you do? Let him do his thing. Well, my mom was still holding on. She, she kind of figured, okay, she'd lost the, the marriage. My older brother was kind of doing his thing. Uh, and then so I was kind of like that last glimmer of hope, hoping that, you know, I would become a dentist, come home, join the family practice, and go with it. So when I came out... That was really the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm. And as we wrote our book, you know, we want to be really intentional with with the alternating chapters because we wanted to show the same same situation turned out to be two totally polar opposite perceptions. Yeah. My mother felt I had just rejected everything. You know, my parents came to this country and sacrificed everything so that why, for what, yeah. so that you and your brother, my me and my brother would have a better life. I mean, they sacrificed a lot. That was why they did this. And so when I came home and, and I said, no, I'm, I'm gay, that was as if I was rejecting everything that, yeah. that they had done. Sure. Well, for me, though, I had just felt like I was kicked out of the, out of the home. So my mom, uh, that was the end of her world. And so she just thought, I have no more reason to live. So she actually had determined to end her life but fortunately she felt the need coincidentally just out you know out of the blue felt the need to go see a minister and you know she she's she's not she was not a christian and this minister gave her a little pamphlet on homosexuality which shared the plan of salvation you know it was a, it was a pamphlet on on homosexuality but it it shared that we're all sinners this is in chicago yeah, yeah. And so she actually, you know, got this little pamphlet, bought a one way Amtrak ticket to live to Louisville, where she was gonna we say goodbye to me where I was mm-hmm. living. say goodbye to me for the last time and then end it all. But on the train she began reading. She she only took her purse and a pamphlet. She didn't pack wow. nothing because and she bought a one way Amtrak ticket. Wow. Very significant because she was not coming back. The Amtrak person even said, Uh, do you want a round trip ticket? It's only gonna be ten dollars more and she said no. But on this train, she began reading this pamphlet, shared that she's a sinner, and yet God still loves her. She never heard that before. She never knew, she never thought of herself as as a sinner. And in addition, that if God loves her, even though she's a sinner, she realized that she could still love me. And, And this is what's really significant about, especially this part, is that before my mother came to Christ, she couldn't find in herself to love me. I mm-hmm. had just betrayed her. I had yeah. rejected the family, but now coming to Christ, she realized that she couldn't do nothing other than to love herself. love you. Wow. Yeah. So she went to Louisville. I it was a you know surprise. I, I I thought I had cut the apron strings out of my life, parents, everything. I could do my own thing. So when she showed up, I was not happy. I, I did not want them in my life. I didn't want any of that. So she actually stayed in Louisville for six weeks. She was discipled by a a lady, she called the number on, on, on the back of the pamphlet. It was some hotline. Wow, get out. And this lady, yeah, connected her to the wife of a retired pastor. And Amazing. and this lady discipled, discipled my mother for six weeks, gave her a <laughs> Bible, cool. went to a Christian bookstore, and they would just would read books and the Bible. And I mean, it was just so she was soaking it up. It was her just private retreat. So
1: for those, again, that don't know your story, first of all, we've got this transformation from a pamphlet. Yeah from a woman born in a Chinese culture with mm-hmm. what no interest in
0: even ancestral religion? Yeah. You know, it was—my mom, if anything, was just agnostic. Yeah. You know, she—agnostic and specifically anti-Christian.
1: Okay. So so she's now living several weeks in Louisville. Yes.
0: and And you're thinking— My mom has flipped her lid. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I, I would go visit her, you know, out of obligation— um, and then she would have her Bible on the coffee, you know. So she she rented like an extended stay kind of uh, thing, and she would have this Bible and all these things on a cross. And I just thought, what is going on here? Interesting. Yeah, she, literally, the last person that I would think to become a Christian would be my mom. People even joked and said I mean, because she had really been burnt by by some uh, some people in the past and had really kind of been turned off by Christians mm-hmm. and all that. And people even joked that and said that if. Jesus were to walk in front of her, she would not believe. Wow. All right, let's move through Louisville. Yeah. You don't stay there very long. No. I, well, I was there for about three years Mm -hmm. um, in dental school trying to do the whole dentistry Mm -hmm. thing, but I unfortunately got involved in drugs, Mm -hmm. selling drugs. I, you know, um, eventually, you know, my my parents were praying for me and eventually I got expelled from dental school. Mm -hmm. My parents flew from Chicago to Louisville, and I thought they were going to fight to keep me in school. My dad's a dentist, and mm-hmm. you know, he knew the dean. Well, in this meeting, my mom told the dean, it's not important that Christopher becomes a dentist. But what's more important is that Christopher becomes a Christ follower. Wow. And she said, we're going to support whatever decision the school made. Well, I walked out of that meeting furious. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I decided, okay, I've got nothing else holding me here in this small little... You know, city of Louisville, and I moved to Atlanta. Atlanta, mm-hmm. I already had some friends there, uh, people that I knew, uh, partiers. We we would go to the clubs. Mm-hmm. You know, there were 24-hour clubs back then, mm-hmm. and I just kept doing what I knew how to do best at that time, and that was selling drugs. Eventually, I became a supplier to other dealers in over a dozen states. Um, but I had, you know, parents at home that were praying. They pray that God would do whatever it takes. My uh, parents came to visit me. I kicked them out. After the second day.
1: I remember you telling the story
0: of uh, uh, them uh, leaving something in your apartment. <laughs> so I kick them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom walks out the door, and my dad turns around, and he has his Bible in his hand. He says, I want to give you my Bible. And I said, I don't want that. Don't give me your Bible. I do not even want to have any inkling, any even glimmer of hope that I might read that book. My dad, he's pretty persistent, and he left down on my kitchen counter and walked out the door. Hmm. So I took that Bible as soon as they left, and I threw it in the trash can. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought about the Bible. That's what I thought about God, Christianity, all of that. So you're now
1: estranged from your folks. At least you are emotionally. You're Mm -hmm. fully into drug trafficking and supplying. You're fully enjoying the same-sex attraction to, to whatever length you want. Yeah, yeah. It was who I was. Okay, let's talk a little bit about identity. Yeah, this is what we always hear. It's my identity. It's how I was made. Mm-hmm. It's who I am. So your
0: verbs are powerful. Yeah. When people say "I am gay," that verb—it's a being verb—and mm-hmm. there's po- there's power in our words and how we speak about ourselves. You know, it really does impact how we act and live. Mm-hmm. I am gay. So even set aside the the Christian culture, even the secular world, it's talked about, you know, sexuality is your sexual identity. Mm -hmm. You are gay. You are lesbian. You are bisexual. You are et cetera. And when I look back at the way that I live, that was me. Mm -hmm. Not just who I was, but how I lived. I lived in a gay community. My apartment complex, all gay, 90% gay. My community that I lived in. I went to a gay Kroger. I went to a gay gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, gay clubs, gay community. Everything that I did, you know, I bought a car from a gay dealership. Everything that was really the totality of who I was. I didn't know a lot of non-gay people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think you know that had power later on as I reflected sure. back sure. on on that. That's why I think as we interact with those um who don't know christ in the gay community getting at the identity oftentimes we want to focus on the morality or the immorality right. aspect that's what people are expecting they're expecting as christians that we will go at them with the morality question and, and hit them over the head with that this when, is immoral this is sin this is wrong when we talk about identity and i love the
1: way you say the verbs have power um it, I differentiate between I could go around saying, well, I'm a womanizer. Yeah. I'm an adulterer. Now, I, I have never acted out. I have never been an adulterer to Cindy. Mm-hmm. But in my mind now, I. I have, in my heart I have. Mm-hmm. But I don't look at my identity as a womanizer yeah. to, to sanction what I want to do or a pedophile or whatever. Yeah. But our culture, and even the church is quite quiet on this. Mm-hmm. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to make anyone angry yep. and have a conversation about, well, why would you draw your identity from x right lust of the flesh lust of the eye Mm -hmm. also pride of life we don't align with those right but this one is strong yeah
0: it is i think often people will say oh you know the gay agenda and an interesting thing dr easily is that you know the gay agenda that was a term i actually never heard of until i became a christian really yeah because it, it wasn't i didn't think of it as an agenda it's your lifestyle it's, it's who you are. It, it's who I was. Yeah. It, who I was, and that's why there's there's power in that. Because, let's just go in the you know the realm of you know possibilities. Let's just say, this is who I am, mm-hmm. because I believe that. then, let's just say, if it really is who I am, then it would make sense that, you know, gay rights. It would make sense if I am gay is no different than me being Chinese and. Being Chinese, I would actually be helping society by informing people about the Chinese culture. So, do you see then how? And when the world is, when we're
1: a tolerant, worshipping world, yeah, and we we exercise diversity, yeah. we,
0: we need this now. We need that. So, so that's why. I mean, and this can be helpful for for our listeners, and because I'm not at all like justifying this. I'm just saying. Let's just go in people's shoes to help us explain why in the world do people act this way. It's not out of they're trying to kind of, you know, I mean, I hear people say they're trying to pollute us or they're all these things. They're, it's actually thinking we're doing good. Wow. You, you know what I mean? And so, I, you know, the gay agenda is, I, I personally don't see it as, as like a ploy of the gay community. Well, it's, it's, almost- it, it's a ploy of, of, of the enemy. Yeah, how he yeah, sure. makes things, if this is who you are, and I think that's, that's for, I personally think that is from the enemy because it has twisted something to become who you are, then therefore, you know, of course, then I'm doing good by informing culture about the gay community. It's always like a bell curve, Christopher, because we have
1: the strident you know, a politically loud mm-hmm. agenda driven uh, of any subject, whether it's you know, subject. gay, gay rights, women's rights, whatever kind of rights, animal rights, yeah. you know, we've got a fringe. And then you have the, the larger part of the bell curve, which are people just trying to go to work and yeah. pay the mortgage and exactly. be kind. And then you've got the, the other ones that are probably somewhere it's sequestered in their mind and heart. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about it. So I, I appreciate that perspective because I think some of us are quick to run to the immorality of it all I find it fascinating when Paul lists sins in Corinthians, you know, sexu- effeminate, homosexuals, adulterers, immoral, disobedient to parents. You know, <laughs> wait, wait, wait where did that come in? Right. Uh, and such were some of you. Mm-hmm. Those were your proclivities. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's go back to Dr. Yuan's story, okay? <laughs> so we come out now. Your your mom has uh, and dad have left Louisville, left the yeah. Bible. And you end up in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and uh, your life changes in a— Powerful way, because? Because <laughs> I had a mother at home that was praying. And she converts a room in your house.
0: She does. And she's got basically a little prayer room yes. that she's, how many times a day? Uh, you know, I mean, well, she's there in the morning, not just for 30 minutes or 20 minutes. She's there. Hours. Two to three hours. hours. Two to three hours, you know. Who prays for their child? Who prays for their son or daughter for two or three hours a day? Yeah, yeah. and goes back numbers of time. Yeah. And and I mean well and she would say that that would be she, so she would uh and and we have a picture of it that uh it's really powerful that um what she did, Dr. Easley, is she took a shower and in the shower uh in the back was a bench because you know she thought, you know, you know, it's it's easier so that you can put stuff there and so she actually converted that so the bench has kind of become her kneeling stool so she's she will just kneel and and that's how she studies the Bible she will kneel kind of you know in humility before God uh, but she would read scripture and then pray and when, read and pray and so it was when I
1: think of your mom I think Angela doing this I, I just can't imagine here's a woman that grew up to use your word agnostic functionally yes. who comes to Christ from a pamphlet mm-hmm. has such a radical transformation not only in her own life but her her Desire for her son to not just not be gay, mm-hmm. but to know Christ. Mm-hmm. That that in in and of itself is like class A miracle, right? <laughs>
0: yes, big right? time. Right. Uh, people because people often after they hear you know me speak, they said, "Your story is pretty sensational," but. Actually, the really amazing story is your mom. And I've said, You got it. (laughs) You got it. You know, it's, it's, it really (laughs) is. Her transformation, her faithfulness to pray is, um, yeah, she, she, you can't explain that. You can't explain
1: that by discipline or determination or self, self will, or I'm going to will myself to change this way. Something happened to your mom. Yeah. That's
0: unexplainable.
1: We're talking today with Christopher Yuan, the author of Out of a Far Country. A Gay Son's Journey to God, A Broken Mother's Search for Hope. Uh, Christopher, uh, again, congratulations on completing your PhD. Let's pick up your story. Uh, you're involved in the drug trade in a major way, and a little <laughs> snag comes along.
0: Yeah, a big snag. I um, So my mother, who was praying, and, and she prayed, she fasted every Monday for seven years. She felt God one time was calling her to just fast and that God would just show her when to stop. She fasted for 39 days. No. Yeah. I mean and it wow. was uh, I mean it was a juice fast so not just right, right. you know I mean and juice and water. She fasted for 39 days. Um, and on the 39th day she began getting cramps in her fingertips. Her fingers, yeah, cramps, and uh, and her toes. Um, so she felt that that was God's sign to say, "Stop." It's your uh, that's good. Uh, my dad, he, he says, you know, in his heart, he was like, "Oh, come on, just do it one more day, <laughs> you know, so you could say, you know, I fasted forty days and and uh, you know, I, you know, we we laugh now because my dad's even like, you know, what that that would have been doing it on on our own strength. Mm. Uh, and uh, so, and, and, and if we did go that extra, then we could say, Oh, look at me. I did 40 days. And uh, so, but so she stopped it. I mean, she just was relentless. God, she prayed, God do whatever, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for mom, for Chinese mom, that's, that's uh, pretty bold. So that answer to prayer came with a bang on my door. That was the answer to prayer. I opened the door, and on my front doorstep were about twelve federal drug enforcement agents, Atlanta police, and two German shepherd dogs. Good morning. Yeah, they came in. And, I and just they, res- they weren't bringing your paper. To the they front were door. not, mm-hmm. you know, just you know here to do some collection. They, they well, they were here to do a type of collection. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, they came. I had just received a large shipment of drugs. And they've confiscated my money, my my drugs, and I was charged with the street value equivalent of 9.1 tons of marijuana. My word. So I found myself in jail. I mean, I was, you know... How old are you? When that happened, I was 28. 28, okay. 28 29, yeah. And so I've, I was facing... 10 years to life in federal prison. I found myself in jail. You know, I'd start, I I had it made. I had a bright future. You know, I came from upper middle class suburb of Chicago. My father has two doctorates. I was on my way to become a doctor. And uh, here I was in jail. Um, So you're convicted? You go to prison? Yeah. So I was in prison. I tried calling home. And, you know, I didn't want to call home thinking that I would get an earful and my mother's first words were, are you okay? Wow. No condemnation, no berating words, just words of unconditional love and grace.
1: As we end today's broadcast, there is no way to underestimate the power of a praying parent or the power of prayer in general. If you were to know Angela and to know that she prayed for seven years every day for Christopher, It humbles any parent who's listening. No need to feel guilty. No need to feel ashamed. It's a poignant reminder. It's important for you and me to pray for our kids. Tomorrow, let me just say it this way. You will not want to miss the broadcast. This thing goes in some directions that we never anticipated. This is Michael Easley in Context.
0: Thank you for listening to Michael Easley in Context. If you have questions or comments, please let us know at michaelincontext.com. Follow Michael on Twitter at Dr. Easley. Thank you for listening to Michael Easley in Context.